Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made. Amen. For four years, I have had the privilege of leading a Lilly Grant team to accompany 17 congregations and faith communities across the United States. The congregations and faith communities are diverse in size, in culture, in theology, in geography, in order to examine what it is about the baptized life that really matters. What is a Christian life of meaning and purpose? We set out with ambitious goals to accompany those congregations as they worked to establish a culture of discipleship and vocational discernment for people of all ages that was anchored in their corporate worship life and lived out in service to their neighborhoods. For those currently in discipleship practices, you will recognize echoes of the catechumenate. And after a year of building relationships, making site visits, drafting congregational ministry plans, we were ready to launch. And then on December 31st, 2019, Chinese authorities alerted the World Health Organization of pneumonia cases with an unknown cause in Wuhan City, Hubei province. What started as a mystery disease quickly became a global pandemic. Everything changed. Suddenly, I had the privilege and the perspective on 17 congregations in crisis. And I felt the responsibility for stewarding and dispersing significant financial resources from the grant. This matters because of what we are learning three years later. COVID-19, described as many of us know by now as the great accelerator of cultural and institutional change and aggravator of existing inequities, racial, economic, healthcare, has forced us all to ask, what is essential? In Baptized for Life, that meant what do the people of God in a given location need to sustain their Christian lives? What does it mean to be church when you cannot gather, when you cannot sing, when you cannot receive communion or pray beside the bed of a dying person? Those were still mostly theoretical questions in my research just one year ago, when my wife Tricia and I spent some time carefully planning our entrance into Lent from home with a lot of Zoom. I had picked up my Ash Wednesday bulletin and my vial of ashes that the VTS sacristans had so generously prepared for our community in participation, in anticipation of participating in the seminary's online Ash Wednesday service. The pancake mix was on the kitchen counter. We had feathered masks and beads ready. We were waiting for a signal from Trisha from teaching class in our attic. We were gonna do Zoom Shrove Tuesday with church. The signal came. I was in the kitchen, she was in the attic, but it wasn't what I had expected. I get a text on my phone. I think we need to go to the hospital. After years of watching Trisha battle aggressive Crohn's disease, I had learned to trust her judgment. And so we went 
The rhythms of New Orleans jazz that we had anticipated were replaced by beeping monitors, rolling beds in a very crowded, COVID-depleted emergency room. Trisha was admitted close to midnight, and I was sent home. The question of what is essential to sustain this spiritual life took on new weight for me as I crossed the threshold into Ash Wednesday 2021, at home and alone. In the morning, I did join the worship online with this VTS community, administering ashes to my own forehead for the first time in my life. I packed the bulletin, ashes, and Fox the Phoenix, Trisha's favorite Harry Potter stuffed animal, and Ash Wednesday, of course, being when we rise from the ashes. And I was right there at the hospital door the minute the limited visiting hours opened. Trisha and I then watched the recorded service on my phone. I reached over the bed rail with my ash-covered thumb and made the sign of the cross on her forehead. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. I hadn't noticed a nurse slip into the room. She was standing quietly at the end of our bed. No less, <clears throat> excuse me, may I receive ashes, she asked. Of course. And then she scurried away. No less than five minutes later, another nurse tucked her head in the door and said, I heard you're doing ashes. May I have some? And then a third, and then a fourth. And suddenly I was being asked to come to the nurse's station, where I had already found a stream of nurses and techs and physicians waiting for me. They asked me not just to administer ashes, but to pray with them. And so I did. The next day, Trisha was able to walk through the ward with her IV pole and Fox the Phoenix under her arm and have follow-up conversations about faith and fear, life and death, with so many people who had received the ashes and still had some smudge on their forehead. In refocusing out of our necessity on what was essential, we had everything that we needed to respond to the church's call to a holy Lent, right where we were, with God's help, bodies, prayer, and ashes. Where were you last Lent? Where were you last Ash Wednesday? What has lasted? What has been turned upside down and inside out? I don't know about you, but I'm falling into Lent this year. I'm falling in with gratitude, with humility, and with exhaustion. We are safe in this sacred space. We are gathered together in community. We are singing music. We are praying side by side. Much has returned that COVID stole away. And yet, the world is not at peace. As we begin to take our masks off, children and their parents and their grandparents and their godparents 
are entering bunkers and subway stations in the Ukraine to shelter from cluster bombs, tanks, and guns. There is never a normal Lent. Christ's suffering on the cross brings us solidarity to all who suffer. In this Threshold Ash Wednesday liturgy, we declare our need for and our role in Christ's journey toward his passion and resurrection. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. Even as the powers and principalities of the world are crushing life in Ukraine and in so many other war-torn parts of our world, Jesus says, follow me. I cannot imagine a more timely invitation for my soul. Right now I find solace in the stability of enduring tradition, obligating me to do the work of self-examination and repentance, of prayer and study, of gratefulness and almsgiving, in order to remember my vocation as a beloved, baptized child of God. There are times when following the rule book is a really good idea. When evil is palpable, when grief is too much to bear, and when war is on our lips daily, being invited into a holy Lent brings comfort. Rather than flail, withdraw, rage, or be extra busy, we have 40 days to slow down, to pare down, and to attempt to strip away the pretense of self-sufficiency, righteousness, and control. We can actually begin to live as if God is our treasure. And that is exactly the transformation that I am seeing in our Baptized for Life congregations over the years. COVID imposed an opportunity to stop and reevaluate where God actually fit into the business of being church. The more they've had to let go of their buildings and their programs, the more they have had to grieve laying down worship as they know it, the more room there has been to focus on the heart of God and their spiritual practices. People learned to pray, to read scripture, to enter into communal discernment, to share hidden and once reluctant gifts with others. Groups began to pray the daily office. Musicians came out of the woodwork and learned to record music for online worship. Young people volunteered themselves to be couriers and yard caregivers for shut-ins and for people who were quarantined. Table, table fellowship has moved into homes and into backyards. Lifelong Episcopalians are consistently telling me that they have never felt so spiritually alive. They have never felt as though life matters this much. So what is essential for your vocation as a Christian? What matters to you right now? How will the particularities of your life 
and the invitation to a holy Lent converge. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent.